It's time for our consumer talk. Um, Wendy Nola is a consumer journalist. And of course, it's time now for Nola Knows Consumer. This time around, we're talking a little bit um, about uh, insurance claims when it comes to your car and your home. Uh, is there any harm in tweaking an insurance claim since they rip us off all, all the time? We talk about the effects of this. We talk about just everything that you need to know as somebody um, from the perspective of, a, of an insurer, but also as somebody who takes out insurance. Uh, Wendy is with us from the Cape Town studio. Good afternoon, Wendy. Hello, Lee. Good to be with you. Good to be with you too. Now, Wendy, uh, what is the impact, firstly, with regards to a small lie on a claim that can affect your that can affect your entire claim? Okay, so just a little bit about the psychology um, and that prep I sent you. I said, you know, is there any harm in tweaking mm. an insurance claim? Because, you know, after all, they rip us off all the time. I'm not suggesting <laughs> they are, but that's like the popular... Um, that's a popular position. It's, it's, it's a very popular position, and it's a position that people use, uh, a, a perception that people use um, to commit what they what is actually fraud, but they don't see it like that. And And... I know people don't see it like that because we all know people in our social circles who will talk about it openly. So if they thought it was an ethical <laughs> issue, they wouldn't, right? I mean, yes. I've heard someone say, you know, someone broke into a garage, took stuff, um, and then she claimed the bicycle um, was in the garage. We, meanwhile, <laughs> it was stolen from somewhere else a few years earlier, and she didn't claim. So in her mind, it's all fine and well, yes. you know, and it's like, no... Actually not, mm. um, because the risk is, apart from the ethical, moral one for your own self, is insurance companies have very clever assessors. And when you put in a claim, especially if it's a fairly hefty claim, they go into overdrive. To, mm, <laughs> and we've, to many of us will have ex- experienced this. Yeah, they investigate it um, really properly. They will speak to witnesses. They will interrogate you. They will want, um, you know, uh, slips. Uh, proof of payment. If you, if you say, no, I've thrown that away, they'll say, well, you know, if you've got photographs or when did you, if you can't find the slip, when more or less did you buy it, we'll, we'll, let's see your bank statements. And then, you know, you can get yourself into a corner. And if it's proven that you lied, mm. even about a small thing, you then become what the industry calls a moral risk. Mm. And when you've got that little red flag against you and they all share, um, information, all the competing insurers, they, they will share information about people. You are either going to pay at best a lot more for your insurance, so higher premiums and, and, um, higher excesses. But you also, if it's, you know, if it's fairly bad, they might choose to offload you and say, well, you're actually too big of a risk for us. Cause if you, if you're prepared to lie about that, we can't trust you not to lie about other things as well in, in future claims. So, you know, that it's just a conversation I think that's worth having. What mm. you might think is a, small transgression and like, you know, well, I pay such hefty premiums and I haven't claimed for two years. Like now I must get your money, my money's worth. It really doesn't work like that. Mm. Um, it's, it swings and roundabouts when you need to claim. Yes, that's what your insurance is for, but, um, don't either falsify a whole claim, which some people do. There's a massive insurance form, but don't think it's okay to then tweak your claim to mm. get more because, um, in most cases, that's going to really backfire on you. That's really the message that we wanted to talk about today. I mean, Wendy, I'm still caught up, uh, um, kind of amused with the story that you gave at the, the beginning with regards to somebody who broke into <laughs> their own place <laughs> and then yeah. they called insurance and, you know, their insurance said, look, my bike has been stolen. I need to Is get it, it off. I mean, yeah, no, she did have it. She did have genuine stuff, you know, stolen, but not the bike. Not she just <laughs> decided she'd add it in. And you know what? It's actually not all that. 
um, uncommon that. Yes. Um, there, I think I gave you some statistics. Um, that um, about thirty-two percent um, of insurance claims are said to be 32. fraudulent. Yeah. So the difference is some element. That's nearly a third, mm. ladies. That's a lot. Some kind of um, dishonesty. So the different kinds. Some. Um, the major kind is people take out policies with the intention of stealing, so that you know um, they, they, it was always an intention to defraud. Other other one other people um, fake a theft completely, or this, like the back example, they inflate the value yes. of genuine claims. And I spoke to the short-term insurance ombudsman um, last week the week before, Deanne Wood, and she said a very common one as well is when cars get stolen, they're almost always sunglasses and quite expensive <laughs> ones that were in the car. Yeah. That's when they start saying, okay, well, yeah, when did you buy them? Let's see the slip. Let's see a picture of you wearing them. And, you know, you can get caught out in a lie quite easily on that one. They are very, whatever you think of um, as some of. kind of fraud. <laughs> they've, they've, it's not, it's old news to them. Yeah. So really, you know, think twice is, is what in, the message there. In case you've just joined us, we're talking to Wendy Nola. We're talking about, um, insurance with regards to your car and home and just how important it is for us to not try and trick, uh, the insurers because they are, it looks as though they're a few steps ahead of us more than that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, I don't know how to position this with regards to calling. I, cause if I say call in and talk about the times that you have. <laughs> Well, they uh, can you know, be anonymous, and, but, and maybe, and not, but if it, whether it worked for you or not, or whether um, it worked for you or not, yeah, yeah. you know. And, and uh, so, give us a call: zero one one eight eight three zero seven zero two. You can also send us a WhatsApp message on zero seven two seven zero two one seven zero two. And you know, um, as Wendy did say, one of the popular positions is because you know people uh, in general we do look at uh, when it comes to insurers. Not in general, should I say? But some people perhaps perhaps may look at insurers at them robbing us because when it's time for us to claim on our insurance, whatever the case may be, there's so much paperwork there's so much for us to be able to and to get what it is that we've been paying for all this time so, so for the average um, person perhaps insurance fraud is doesn't seem as fraud as much as it's getting what it is that we've been paying for for all these years yeah and also the the thing is the reason why that we are made to feel like we are trying to trick the insurance company as a claim is because of that because it's it's quite rough as you say mm. about a third of all cases involve some fraud so we all pay for that because the cost of that assessment process can you imagine mm. the the red tape involved in the time taken to investigate um a claim for mm. um authenticity um, if it wasn't for the fact that so many people t- take chances, um, we, that wouldn't have to happen to that extent. And of course, we all pay for that in the premiums. The costs of insurance costs are all passed on to us yes. in our premiums. So it's a sort of, yeah. It affects everyone. A, One it of affects, us affects us all. all of us. Uh, let's take some calls, uh, and just to talk a little bit about what it is that people want to discuss where this is concerned. Um, you know, Wendy, I also did want to just also add something else with regards to that because insurers are on, on such high alert and the assessors definitely go all out to try and prove, uh, it seems, uh, people actually lying about certain claims how does how does that protect the the consumer in that perspective because sometimes you could genuinely have made a mistake quite genuinely you know but then perhaps because of this over investigative process you end up um in the in the dog box it's a good question lee and i've had a few cases like that where people have said um it was an honest um omission or um 
I can't think of a specific example, but I've had a few where they've protested that um, it, it really wasn't intentional. Mm. And um, for you to be a moral risk, I do think there has to be uh, intention. Mm. In other words, you, you set out deliberately to, to mislead, mm. um, to lie, to put it bluntly, rather than um, just making a mistake. Mm. But if you think about it, it's difficult to prove that, especially um, going into a policy when you ask things like, um, you know, you, you, you've asked how many claims have you made in the last three years or, you know, asking about accidents as well. Um, it it really uh, pays to take your time and not be in a rush to answer those questions because if you leave something out, that is misrepresentation and that's something that can come back to bite you at claim stage. They'll start looking at all of that. So it's, it's, it's not just the actual claim but what you declared when you're going into the policy about your past history, your claims, and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, even if it's if it was unintentional, it's very hard to mm. prove that. So it could still hurt you. Um, so just to be really, really mindful. And if there's one time in your life you must be absolutely scrupulously honest, it's any time you deal with an insurance company. Definitely, we're talking to Wendy Nola, our consumer journalist on Nola Knows Consumer Talk. We have a whole lot of calls um, that of people who want to engage on this topic. We'll be taking them straight after the ad break. And as Wendy said, I just you know if you are gonna one of the top ways that uh, insurer can tell that you are lying about a certain claim when it comes to your car is when there's a really expensive set of sunglasses that has gone missing but you have no slips <laughs> or perhaps if the sunglasses for example hypothetically cost something like 25,000 rand and your cars the monthly payments on your car nowhere near that please don't lie about it we'll be back with the conversation straight after this 702 you can call us on 011 Alrighty, Nola knows consumer talk. This time around, we're talking about false insurance claims when it comes to our car and our homes. Uh, Wendy Knowles is with us. Uh, she, Nola, sorry, is with us. Uh, she's in the Cape Town uh, studio uh, at the moment. Wendy, we do have some calls. I hope that you can still hear me clearly. Yes, I can. I'm here. Okay, great. Let's take Vic from Pretoria East. Vic, good afternoon. What's your comment? Uh, good afternoon. I would like your guest comment where the insurance company gets it wrong where a client's claim is rejected on a technicality uh, briefly an example i did a hail claim submitted it to the insurance company and the insurance company assessors came back and said one of the dents on the car body seems like somebody actually hit the car body with a cricket bed and that was wrong I was very honest in my claim. So I would like to comment on that. Thank you very much. Okay. So there's there's few things in life that make a person um, feel more outraged than being falsely accused of some kind of wrongdoing. So I can imagine that um, if that wasn't the case and they've come back and said this is what their expert has said, it, you know, it's... it's uh, it does things to you and not good things. I don't know whether you have just argued that with the insurance company or whether you've taken it to the um, ombudsman, uh, Victor, because that's what they're there for. It's a free service. Um, they impartially um, weigh up. Um, they get a complaint from the consumer and then they take it to the insurer and backwards and forwards and then they come up with their finding and about... I think it's just under 30% of cases they um, award in the, they rule in the consumer's favor and the rest in the insurer's favor. Um, 
So that is definitely worth doing if you go back to insurer and they, they're unwilling to budge. The problem always is proof. So mm. now you're sitting with this thing, you know what happened to your car and somebody else um, that has control over whether you get paid out or not is saying, no, we believe this. So it's, it's, it's it then comes down to, you know, balance of probabilities or more expert views or whatever. But certainly um, I would uh, take that further if you know that that's not in fact what happened. Um, fight it. Go to the ombudsman. You can go to a journalist as well. You you just can't do this, this two things at the same time. Each mm-hmm. process has to be run separately. But there is a recourse or potential recourse for you if you feel you've been um, unfairly treated. Um, Wendy, just to ask the question in reverse as well, you know, because as you as we've discussed uh, extensively, if you put in a false claim or even a little bit of your claim is dishonest, it can affect mm. you. So you'll become a moral risk. Your premiums could go up. All of that. Yes. What happens in the case of an assessor making that kind of mistake? What are the you, you know what happens where that is concerned? Because surely, if it works one way, it should work in the other way. That's a very good question, and, I, and Lola does not know in this particular case. <laughs> I would imagine there's some sort of internal sanction because, mm. um, you know, that's a reputational risk there if, if an assessor is getting it wrong and it gets out to the uh, public space and all that sort of thing. Um, but I'm not aware of um, what each company's policy is, and there's certainly no sort of um, uh, established formal kind of um, – um, penalty system or something like that for 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 the for them when they get it wrong. Other than if it goes to the ombudsman, then it can be there can be a finding, it can be published, and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, I think it's it's fair to say. I mean, this this the process involves human and any humans and any process that involves humans is is Subject is to open error. to flaws. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they are going to get it wrong, and uh, it's like somebody who gets convicted of a crime they didn't commit because they can't prove it. Mm. Um, it's it's a it's a terrible thing. It is it, it, it's the worst thing. But and it and it you know unfortunately, it does happen. Um, I I want to just say that I'm doing the flip side of you know when when consumers are are not honest about. Um, you know their claims, and just to discuss it because it is fairly—it's it's sort of almost got social acceptability, and that's mm. why I wanted to discuss it. But usually in my work, I'm dealing with cases where insurers, um, people complain to me, and, and it turns out that the insurer has not treated their clients well. Um, I've had cases where I've actually gone to the ombudsman and said, "I've really looked at this case, and I think it might be worth reopening," and it mm. has been reopened, and the person then got paid out. So, so that it, um, it, 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 it does, it, it, it's, I don't want Melissa to get the no, idea that no, I'm just saying, you know. Yes. <laughs> Wendy, let's, let's take some calls. We've got Andre yeah. from Randburg. He's been holding for quite a while. Andre, good afternoon. What's your question or comment, please? I, I've got the, the converse of this, okay? I had a large claim last year, and I won't even mention where it was before, I'm sure, but I get dealer prices, okay, which are like 20, 30% less than the suppliers. The insurer insisted on going for the goods I hadn't replaced myself already, on going to their own supplier, and I privy to the invoices that were passed on. And there were more than they would have paid by my quotes that were sent to you. Okay, so they inflated because they've got a relationship with a certain mm-hmm. vendors or whatever to do their insurance claims. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is, that's wrong. 
Okay. Yeah. This this is a common uh, thing that comes up, Andre. That if you're just going yourself and you you don't have insurance and and uh, you're paying for your own accident repairs, the claim I mean the quote is lower when it goes through the insurer. There's some inflation that goes on due to, as you say, existing relationships and all of that. That's a whole can of worms all on its own. But you're right because it. Uh, Ultimately, we pay for that um, mm. in terms of, you know, it pushes the value of the claim up. And, uh, yeah, it, but that's, that, as I say, that is a, that is a long uh, standing um, can of worms, yeah. that one, those, those, those um, inter supplier uh, relationships. But, yeah, thank you for, for raising that. Wendy, let's cross over to Tato and Santon. Tato, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. I just have a question, actually. So, what happened from my side is that I had insured an item for a specific value with an insurer. And when it got damaged, it got replaced. But the replacement value of the new item was considerably lower than what I had insured my item for. Which And obviously, it doesn't necessarily work the same. So is there anything that I can do from my side to kind of restitute me to the same, uh, to the same value that I had paid? Um, when I bought the item or um, because I mean when they quote you on your insurance they quote you on um, the actual value of your item that you're given yeah. so I don't understand why they're giving you a cheaper item in effect Okay, that's a really good question, Tato. Thank you for raising it. So the idea of insurance is to put you back in the position you were before the insured event be that the loss of your car um, or theft of or loss of, of um, an appliance or whatever. You didn't say what the item was. But um, some items, especially electronic items, sometimes TVs, etc., they will drop in price. So the idea is not about the value. It's about um, putting you back in the position. So they replace the item. They have fulfilled their obligations to you in terms of your of your policy. In terms of the fact that you then overpaid in, uh, in, in terms of your premium, that um, is up to us to get right, um, unfortunately. So in most cases, um, I have personal experience of this. I had a home invasion many years ago. Um, a lot of stuff was taken, and I only got 50% of the value of my claim back because they said I was underinsured by 50%. So no one sends an assessor around to your home when you're going into an insurance policy um, it's up to you to get it right right and then at claims time then they evaluate everything and I was 50% under so in some cases with some electronic goods we are paying too much um, for uh, in terms of replacement value if that item was stolen or lost or damaged you would then have the item replaced right and it would cost them less than you paid for the item um, so you've paid too much in premium in other cases you are underinsured so the cost of replacing your um, whatever in your homes, your suitcases, your clothing, your leather jackets, whatever, is far greater than what you specified as the value on your policy. So you were underpaying and in terms of premium and then they, so they'll cut your, uh, your payout by the same percentage. It's a, it's a very tricky thing. Most consumers, once they've gone into the, uh, you know, you take out your policy, you, you don't think to, um, proactively get hold of your insurer and readjust those values. But your scenario is one such case where, um, you were actually overpaying, um, because, you, because the value of the item, the replacement value had since dropped. 
very interesting conversation. We are talking to Wendy Nola, talking about um, insurance uh, when it comes to your car and home, uh, fraudulent claims, and just everything surrounding it, because uh, it is something that is obviously quite personal to quite a lot of us um, when yeah. it comes to our insurance. Uh, we'll continue the conversation. Uh, we do have Dean, Don, and Linda all on standby. We'll continue your WhatsApp messages and your SMSs and calls. 702. You can call us on 011-883-0702. We're still talking insurance, insurance claims around your home, around your car. Uh, we have Wendy Nola on the line. Um, not on the line. She's in the Cape Town studio with us. Uh, Wendy, we do have a host of calls um, and people have been standing by for quite a bit. Uh, let's take Don in Woodmead. Don, what's your question for Wendy this afternoon? Yeah, please? good afternoon, ladies. And thank you. thanks for taking the call. Okay, quickly, uh, so Wendy, I have a road that goes past the business, which is a feeder road to my particular business. And this road was closed down by the uh, government because of renovations uh, due to the big potholes. The road was diverted like a few kilometers away, and as a result of this diversion, I lost quite a bit of turnover, more than 50%. I then put in a claim, and uh, I was just flat down rejected because they said it's not a a business interruption. And for the life of me, I can't understand why that would not qualify as a business uh, interruption. So I don't know if you can give me some... Well, I I must... Sorry about that. That is heartbreaking, Don. Um, I must say business insurance is not um, something I've looked into because as a consumer journalist, obviously, I, I tackle claims and queries around um, consumer policies, um, but okay. you, you clearly have looked at your policy wording. Is there anything in the in the exclusions that would specifically cover something like you've experienced? No, n- not at all. Uh, <laughs> but you know, in in general, you would think that if it's something out of your control, uh, that's kind what of I'm thing thinking. You know, was it in your control or out of your control? And if it's a business interruption, you know. There was absolutely nothing I could have done, you know, even with foresight or, or whatever, you know. That's uh, usually when... To actually making another road or something. So yeah, I, no, absolutely. That's usually when a claim should succeed. I take up a lot of um, banking fraud issues, for example. And in a case when there's the consumer did absolutely nothing to compromise their security, responded quickly, all that sort of thing, then the bank has to refund them. And in this case, the same question applies. What could you have done to avoid it? Was it completely out of your hands? It would certainly seem so. I'd be very happy to take a look at that for you, Don, if you'd like to um, ask the producer to give you my email address. Um, Thank you I, so I, much. I really I will, appreciate if you, it. I will need your um, policy document as well, so I can just have a, a look at that, those Absolutely. exclusions, please. Absolutely. Thanks, Thank Don. Thank you so much. Thank you okay. so much. I really appreciate right. it. You're welcome. Right, Don, if you could please hold on to the line. Uh, Linda and Krugersdorp, good afternoon. Um, good afternoon. I want to know um, if the insurance company can arbitrarily in January put up a price uh, to about 500 rand more. And then when I re- inquired why, um, they said to me that I've had um, a disaster claim when we had the tornado. Um, and therefore the premium has gone up. But it only came about when I removed my car in November. They told paid me the new price. I paid a new price in December. And in January from them telling me what the price was without the car, it now went up with 500 grand because of the disaster claim. Um, can they do that? 
They can. There's nothing um, precluding them from fiddling around with your um, your uh, policy, uh, your store, your premium rather, or your excesses or anything like that. But your cover is an agreement that um, has two parties. It's the, the insurer, the company, and yourself. Um, it's not, a, it's not an, a unilateral thing. So likewise, I mean, you could res- you could resign your cover and go somewhere else. They could actually offload you, and um, that's actually qu- a quite a big um, threat. A lot of people who have had quite a few claims, um, the insurance companies calculate what they call a loss radio- ratio, so what you've paid in premiums versus what they've paid out to you in claims. And if that figure doesn't look too good to them, they just offload you and there's not a lot you can do other than preempt it by jumping rather before you're pushed and get getting an alternative cover but in your case what i would suggest is um that's happened to me often and um i have in most cases if not all cases um been able to go back and argue well actually that's fine but i haven't claimed in x number of years my car value has dropped I haven't replaced my car. It's um, a car that is, you ask, get the statistics. It's ne- They are, are not targets for theft mm-hmm. or hijacking. And I haven't claimed on these other things as well. And then I actually negotiate a lower premium. So the biggest message here is to, you don't have to sit back and accept what your company has chosen uh, mm-hmm. to do with your premium and your excesses and all the rest. Um, it is about risk though. So if you have, a, you had a tornado happen to you, that's a one-off. It's not um, something. It's a one-off. Exactly. It's, in it's not something you had any control over. It's not um, specific to your daily habits of no. where you drive to get to work or no. school or whatever else. So I think it's a little unfair to, um, you know, it is around your loss, your your loss uh, ratio. But all things considered, if you haven't put in claims for other things that are on your policy, um, I think you have a good chance of um, getting that um, reversed. Um, and a good way to do that is to phone for alternative cover from from competing insurers, and okay. and then go back to them and say either you fix this or I'm going to move. And I can tell you now that I don't want to lose you as a as a client. Okay. All right. Thank so you very much with that. for your help. You're welcome, okay. Linda. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Um, Wendy, just with regard, just to sort of tag onto that, um, when it comes to car insurance, should our premiums be going up every year? You know, for example, if you call your insurance company to adjust for depreciation, they say that the cost of parts will go up, etc. Yes, um, and they also, do. what what should one do with car insurance um, annually? Okay. So that is that is true that. Um, the cost of parts does go up and there's more chance of you having an accident than having the car stolen. But a big proportion of your premium is around the value of your car mm. and um, that should be adjusted accordingly. So that should most definitely offset the increase in the price of, of parts. I've never lost an argument when they've said parts prices have gone up. If I haven't claimed, I'll say, I'm, I'm sorry, that's either you must reduce it or uh, keep it the same. I'm not paying more. Mm. All sorts of things, though, um, affect your your premium it's about the car itself it's about how and where you drive it and it's about you as the driver so there's there's a whole component in there if you've got older and you and you or you got married you're considered to be um lower risk (laughs) um all sorts of things i mean i've recently relocated from durban to cape town and the premium on my car dropped by 300 rand Mm. because the area was considered safer or for whatever reason um yeah so so it's it's not just 
your actual car, your premium has got three factors to it. Okay. Um, and all that is taken into account to, to add up to um, the risk, what, what they perceive your risk to be. And that, and your premium, all, your, all premiums are directly related to risk. So it's knowing those things and knowing how to argue, um, f- argue your case when you get on the phone to your insurer that, um, determines whether you are going to be successful in having your premium lowered or at least not put up uh, routinely. If you don't push back, it will go up and it will go up year after year. Because here's the thing, we get lured. When when insurers want our business, they they lure us with a really, really Mm. competitive rate. And then over the years, I stayed with one insurer for 20 years and even as a consumer journalist, thought I'd been around the block a few times. Those the, the the premium I was paying on my car was more than double what it should have been hmm. industry related. I actually left that company and um, moved to another. And they said, "No, no, we'll meet, beat it. We'll match it." I said, "No, I've lost trust now. Yes, uh, it's over." So if you have an insurance, nothing's going to come to you. They're not going to offer you the best deal. You have to go out and get it, argue for it, know your facts. And uh, and that's the way you get the lowest premiums. Let's continue to take calls. Tabo in, in Joburg CBD. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? Good, thank you. What's your question for Wendy, please? Um, yeah, my issue. I'm just stepping outside so that it's quiet. I I had an insurance claim that was approved. Mm. And when it was approved, they then sent the assessor to bring the approval and ask the assessor, but I've not insured with you, I've insured with a certain insur- insurance. Why are they sending you? And I'm not happy with the amount that they're giving. And that was in 2007, and to date, I've not heard anything from them. So some time ago, I phoned them and they said to me, that's prescribed. And the question was, how does it prescribe when you have approved? So I wanted to find from Ms. Nola what is, which route should I take? That is... A highly unusual case, Tabo. Um, I don't know what, uh, first of all, that you insured with one company and they send an assessor from another. That's, that's highly unusual yes. in itself. Um, that, a prescription is a thing. For example, if you owed a company, um, money and you hadn't paid it in three years and you hadn't promised to pay it and you hadn't been summoned in respect of it, you would be, you could, you could argue that you could you could raise as a defence the fact that the debt is now prescribed and you, you wouldn't be liable to pay it. And by the same token, companies <clears throat> often will raise the same um, defence and say, no, it's prescribed. It's more than three years old. Um, it is a, a very tricky one. It's unfortunate that you didn't um, keep on at them. What was the value of your of your claim? It was thirty grand. Yo. Wow. So what did you do? Did you get the car fixed yourself or? What happened? Yeah, yeah, but you see, my problem is they are then saying to me it has prescribed. Now, I thought prescription works if I have something that has happened and I do not claim within two, between two and three years. But in this case, I have claimed it was assessed, it was approved, and the argument was I am not taking 28,000, I will take it grand because the claim was for 30 grand. I do so think there's. When I asked yes. for my money and I asked them, they then said to me, you know, it has prescribed. Uh, and then they, I said, but you have not spoken to me. They said, no, we have sent you letters. And I said, it's funny because since uh, 2004 to date, and I'm saying to date, they are still my insurer. So what? how is oh. it that they have not been able to get hold of me? No, no, no. I'd like that case very much, Tabo. <laughs> 
Please leave your details with the producer or ask him to give you my email address because um, I'm very intrigued by your case. Give uh, If you email me, please put all your details, your policy number, as much detail as you can remember. And um, I will... The fact that you still with the same insurer mm. is, is, is mind-blowing to me. You're still get paying them premiums every month. Um, I w- really would like to try and unravel what went on there, if, if you would just um, give me the means to do so. All righty, we'll continue this conversation with Wendy straight after these spot breaks. 702. SMS us now on 31702. Alrighty, we're talking to Wendy Nola, talking about insurance uh, when it comes to your car and your home and insurance fraud and just everything around insurance in general. We have quite a lot of calls. Hopefully, we're going to be able to squeeze in as many as possible and some messages to uh, Wendy. Uh, let's cross over, though, to Steve in, Mahal- in Mahalisburg. Uh, Steve, what's your question for Wendy, please? Um, I was insured. I had a, there's a company called OnePlan that's selling hospital insurance. <laughs> And uh, I purchased hospital insurance, and the uh, amount we purchased, obviously, is dependent on our monthly premium. And we were under the impression, uh, we purchased a policy that gave us 1.5 million rands worth of cover uh, per annum. So we paid our premiums for a considerable period of time, and then I was shot in an armed break. I ended up I ended up in hospital in Krugersdorp for a considerable about four months. Um, after about the first week in hospital, uh, one plan decided no, they're not paying anymore. They've paid three hundred and seventy thousand, and that's it. They're not paying anymore. And when my wife, who was also in a terrible state because she was pangered and one thing and another in the in the robbery, um, was approached by the hospital, they were going to throw me out into one of the government hospitals. If they'd have done that, I'd be dead now. So she just kept signing checks and checks and checks and checks and checks. And anyway, uh, the 1.5 million we thought we were insured for, one plan's excuse was, oh, no, but because we the max, we put a maximum limit on each individual claim. You are only insured for, you are insured for the 1.5 million that we took the premiums from you for, but we split it up into four or five separate payments because we cap each individual claim. Now... That left us in a position uh, where, obviously, my wife just kept signing checks and, and paying and paying the hospital. Um, it cost us 1.2 million rand in cash to save my life after one plan refused, point blank, to give us any help, even though our premiums monthly warranted an annual uh, cover of 1.5 million. And all this splitting it up into uh, maximum cap was hidden in the small print, which mm. obviously we never read. I think it's disgraceful. And, you know, I don't know whether I can do anything about it now. Um, I don't know what it's, you feel about it. Yeah, I, think the, the, should, I think other people should be warned what, what, what tricks it is that they're playing. They're playing the odds with people's lives. Absolutely. That, that's a classic case of, of what uh, not reading the small print can lead to because your assumption was, was the, an assumption that most reasonable people would have had, that in the event of a claim, that would be your maximum cover, and that would cover most things. And, it, and indeed, it would have covered your whole hospitalization around that, that shooting scene. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you say um, per claim, that was one claim, but what do you mean? There was a maximum on... Um, no, what uh, they said was... Hospital the, days the, or something. Yeah, annually, we were covered for one, the 1. 1.5 million we thought we were covered for. 
but they cap each individual claim oh, at three hundred seventy thousand. So, oh, I've so got we, needed, we needed our cover uh, for one point five million to cover my extensive hospital costs and treatment, and yet, and yet, after three hundred seventy thousand, they said, "Oh no, sorry, we're not paying anymore." But if you want to claim again on another separate item. We'll yeah. insure you for three hundred and seventy thousand. Yeah, get shot again, and we and we'll pay you another three hundred and seventy yeah. for that oh, one. Yeah. If I get shot again, they'll pay another three hundred and seventy thousand, and they'll oh. pay another three hundred and seventy thousand if I get shot again. Up to the annual cover we I've thought got we you. had of one point five million. It's a con job. Thank you for sharing that. I think I'm gonna start warning about that and then start looking at some of those. Um, I'm sure there's more than one hospital plan that does things like that and as you say especially if you've had full medical aid cover before um, you assume you see that amount and you assume that that would be per incident um, not spread out over the year with a cap on each individual incident um, my sympathy Steve I um, had a, a relative go through um, you know a, a, an incident of crime and at least the thing that he had three operations and at least what I didn't have to worry about was the cost of his medical care. It was all taken care of it by a traditional medical aid. Mm. But had I switched to a hospital plan, even I, I think, could have, although I'm a bit more, I'm a bit more um, uh, used to reading, uh, seeking out terms and conditions now because of my job than perhaps um, I would have been. But thank you for that. I'm, I'm definitely going to do some investigation around the wording of some of those plans. Thank you. Thank you for sharing, Steve. Wendy, a WhatsApp message coming through saying, I had a situation where I called my insurer for roadside assist. Uh, they failed to arrive and left me stranded with my kids. After a few hours, I left and drove the, and drove the heating car to the dealer. They then advised that my radiator was blown and gasket blown too. Expensive dam- damages. The insurer refused any liability whatsoever, even though they failed to send a road side assist that I paid for. I went to the ombudsman uh, who asked for an expert report. I couldn't get one because they said that they would have to strip the gasket to assess it, leaving considerable costs. So I dropped the process. I feel very angry oh. about this and how and and I was left with damages valued at over 30,000 rand. Oh. The insurer said it was pre-existing, but it really wasn't. What does one do with this? Please help me. Oh, that's Awful. Um, again, the burden of proof. Uh, she could probably get the proof if she got, uh, if she had the, the the vehicle independently assessed. But now she's going to have to pay for that. So it's a uh, catch twenty two. Um, I get these cases fairly often where people, um, if your if your car breaks down and the warning light comes on, you know, it almost always leads to a repudiation if you carry on driving the car mm. of, of your warranty or whatever cover you have and. Um, but people say, but this is South Africa. It was the middle of the night in an unsafe area. I, I, you know, did they want me to put my life in danger so that I didn't damage the car kind of thing? But this case is even more serious because she was supposed to have had the benefit of roadside mm-hmm. assistance, which didn't arrive. I would say the first thing top of mind is, um, was there a time limit placed on that roadside assistance? I really think there ought to be because of cases just like this. But, um, yeah, again, it's, it's, um, you know, the Ombuds wanting to help, but they are, as an independent third In party, they need yeah. to know what a third party would have said. Mm-hmm. Was the end, you know, um, but even if, if, if the, the, even if the fact that she drove the car further was, uh, the, the direct cause of the major damage that resulted, 
you know, you need to look at the whole incident and that she she was left with no choice because she was failed mm. by a road assistant. So if it's still an ongoing case, again, please leave your details um, with our producer and I'll do my best to get back to you. That's a, it's an, another very intriguing case. Thank you. We have time for one more quick call. Chris, uh, good afternoon. What's your question, please? Chris? Oh, yes. It's Philip. It's actually Philip. Oh, Philip, sorry. Yes, no, no problem. Um, I've got a question about the fact that I'm being held liable for 15,000 rand payment through another insurance company um, where my claim was not paid by my insurance company because their assets are frozen. And the broker that we dealt with only let us know um, months afterwards that this claim has not been settled and now we've got this letters from the lawyers threatening us with court actions, etc., to get this money paid. So I'm um, a bit unsure if we are really liable and if we should be uh, going for a settlement or what should we do. Um, Philip, it sounds to me like your broker let you down. Would, would that be an accurate assessment of what happened? Yes, it, it seems to be the case for me as well. Because in my opinion, we submitted all the documentation in time. Uh, we've notified them of all the accident details. And we, um, when we had the first lawyer's letter in November last year, October last year, we sent it back to the brokers and again with all the documentation. Um, they said they dealt with it with the insurance company. Then they didn't come back to us to tell us uh, whether there was any further issues with it. And now in April, we received this letters from the lawyer saying we have been held liable in our personal capacity to pay for the damages for the other um, person that was involved in car. And um, because we were un- unsure about what the what our actual rights are. Okay, so sorry. Said, yes, Wendy, I'm so sorry. We literally have to wrap it up. I'm going to okay. ask if uh, maybe uh, with with Philip, what we'll do is that we'll send um he send him your details and then you can speak to him yes, directly yeah. with regards to his case. Yes, but thank no you problem. so much, Wendy, just welcome. for spending time with us and for the one of the tips that I think a lot of people won't forget is don't uh, claim for expensive sunglasses <laughs> if your car so. value does not match the glasses. <laughs> but and thank you, can't you prove you own you, them. Thank you exactly. Thank you so much.